the men and women I fought with, we have a camaraderie that no one else will probably even understand because that's where you really have to lean on each other if you want to go back home. During his 28 years in the United States Army, Command Sergeant Major Chris Johnson learned a lot about leadership, trust, and putting others first. He now teaches those lessons and life skills to youth in a mentorship capacity. He's our guest on this episode of Win This Year. Drugs and alcohol. Bullying. Unhealthy relationships. Depression. Internet safety. Substance use. Body image. Self-injury. Suicide. Anxiety. Social media. Kids. Pre-teens. Parenting. Middle school. High school. Adolescents. Teens. Coping skills. Self-care. Relationships. Strategies. Life skills. Prevention. Solutions. Help. Hope. Leadership. Insight. Information. Inspiration. You're listening to Win This Year, the official podcast of Not My Kid, a prevention nonprofit focused on inspiring positive life choices by helping kids, parents, families, and those who work with youth. Informative, interesting, inspiring. Win this year. Welcome to Win This Year. I'm Shane Watson, public information officer and prevention specialist for Not My Kid. It is a new fiscal year for Not My Kid, and that means a new season, season three of Win This Year. Kicking us off, our guest today is Command Sergeant Major Chris Johnson. Chris is a 28-year veteran of the United States Army who has been deployed to combat nine times. He now works with youth, teaching them a variety of crucial life skills. He joins us now on Win This Year. Chris, welcome to Win This Year. Hey, glad to be here, Shane. Starting us out, where were you born and what was your early life like? Okay, yeah, I was born in uh, San Diego, California. Uh, my dad was, uh, at the time, he was in the Navy. He worked with a lot of the... Uh, the planes and the, you know, as part of the flight crew. And my mom, she was a registered nurse. And uh, during that time, probably when I was like eight years old, my dad, he retired after 21 years. And then he worked at the same place he retired at as a, working a GS job as an airplane mechanic. And he did that for another 22 plus years. And at that time, my mom retired, so she was uh, always at home. So having heard you share a portion of your story before, I know that you got excellent grades as a kid, played sports, and did all those things that we associate with a kid who's on the right path. But I've also heard you mention in your story that you began making some unhealthy choices at a certain point. What started happening at what age and why? Well, Shane, to be honest with you, you know, I, I was... Uh, just as you was asking me that question, I kind of thought back. I said, you know, how far back I can go. I mean, I can go to where, you know, as a young youth, you know, being the, the youngest and only boy, uh, always kind of act out. Okay. You know, my, my thing was, you know, I used to watch the Little Rascals all the time. And so I always thought how they did things, you know, that was the thing to do, you know, pulling little stunts and capers and, you know, and seeing how far you can get away with stuff. But uh, when, when things started really changing, it was uh, probably when I was 11, when I graduated from sixth grade. And at that time, they still had the, they had they just started busing in San Diego. And uh, 
So we would go to a different school, and the, the whole deal, going to a different school outside your neighborhood, the bus picks up other kids from different neighborhoods within. And where I grew up, southeast San Diego, you know, it, it, it's the whole bunch of neighborhoods in that area. And so some of the neighborhoods, you know, were had gangs, and they were like rival gangs. So once you went there, it was like, I don't know. Some people would say something like gladiator school because you got everybody mixed up who shouldn't even be mixed up at the school. And so I would say about then, you know, I started uh, selling drugs. And then, you know, I started, you know, really getting influenced by the gang culture. And, uh, you know, started, you know, trying to be like the older guys and be part of a gang and things like that. So I would say at 11, uh, I would say really things got bad was after I graduated high school and I decided not to, you know, go to college and I had a job, but I just started out there just full fledged, you know, now I don't have that seven to 3 PM school, mm-hmm. you know, now it's work and then I'm off and I stay as late as I want and this and that. And it, and it was crazy because it was like, I was living two lives, you know, I'm smiling in my parents' face. Hey, yeah, good, great doing that. I'm working this and that. But on the other side, I'm a totally different person. And, you know, that's when things just started going bad. And um, and, the, and the police were real hot on uh, in our neighborhood on, on gang members. And uh, I remember just going to a barbecue. And by the time I left the barbecue, I ended up being in the gang detail book for 10 years. 10 so years. Was, yeah. And that's how they do it in the state of California. And back then, they didn't have to tell the parents or the person. So just say, for example, you and I are, are, you just got out of prison and we're at the park and we're eating Burger King. And the police come up. And then your part of your probate parole is you can't be around gang members. Mm-hmm. Well, then, boom, they look in the book and say, I am. Now you're on a parole violation. And you wouldn't even know it. The person you're talking with. After all that happened you ended up making a decision that would end up significantly affecting your life, but in a very positive way. You joined the United States Army, specifically the infantry. What motivated you to do that? What was your thinking when you made that decision? Oh, when I did that, because for some reason, as, you know, as a 147-pound, two guy, I used to think I was tough. And, uh, and you know... Before then, my dad, you know, we had all kind of guns and stuff, so we would go shooting and things. And I just said, you know, that's something, you know, I want to do. I want to push myself, you know, that if I want to go be Ranger Delta Force Special Forces, I'm already in that realm. And that's why I chose the infantry. While you were in the infantry, January 22nd, 1991, you've said and I quote you on this, that day I had to grow up. A pivotal moment happened for you while you were on the border of Saudi Arabia and Iraq as the first Gulf War was beginning to unfold. What happened that day, and how did it change things for you in terms of your perspective, your behavior, and your motivation? Well, on that day, I'll I'll never forget that day. I was sitting there, and I was burning that stuff. That stinks real bad. You know, you have a detail for that. And they said, hey, Specialist Johnson and Specialist in the Army is an E4, just we call them an overpaid private. 
and not too much in a you're not in a leadership role, but you're high enough up with the other private they respect you. So uh, they said, "Hey, Special Johnson, the commander needs to see you." So I'm like, "What?" And I'm thinking he's the only person got a tent. <laughs> so I'm thinking of everything negative, what I could be getting in trouble for. Mm-hmm. But once I got in the tent, it was a uh, my squad leader, platoon sergeant, the rest of my chain of command. And they told me, congratulations, uh, this guy, Sergeant Mitchell, he couldn't go across for the invasion because he hurt himself. And they said, you know, we're moving you up in the sergeant's position and you're going to be in charge of the five guys and we're invading Iraq in 48 hours. Wow. And at that time, I was, what, 20? I was 21. I just turned 21. And uh, I, I was walking to my guys, and, and seriously, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to tell these guys, you know. The whole time, there's Operation Desert Shield, you know, training. It's like, okay, I'm kind of cool, you know. I just got to watch my, my, my brother to my left and right, but, mm-hmm. you know, I really got to watch myself. And it changed to, okay, I'm responsible for these men's lives. And, you know, at that time, we were probably, the average age was 19. And, uh, you know, i never forget when I told him, I said, hey, you know, here's the deal. You know, I'm being charged now, blah, blah, blah. And I'll never forget this private, Specialist Davis. I mean, Private Davis. He said, he said, Specialist, are we going to all make it home? I said, damn right. And I'm buying everybody a case of beer. Huh. <laughs> so at that time, you know, I, had, I lost fear of anything because it, I, I realized at that t- time, and I always still feel this way to this day, that it wasn't all about me. He's mentioning, speaking of, you know, it's not all about you, and, and then you immediately knew you had to put your, your men first that you were, you know, you were in command of at that point. On that day, you were put into a position of leadership, not only leadership, but the kind of leadership where you're responsible for getting soldiers back home safely. That's a lot of responsibility for a 21-year-old. In your mind, what makes a good leader? What skills and abilities allowed you to be effective? Honestly, and this is this is something I, I will always tell people. You ever watch a movie, a war movie? The friendly people at the bottom, the enemies at the top, and they're shooting down. I always tell people, and the person says, come on, we're going to charge this hill. As a regular person, seeing them bullets, like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. But then in the movie, you see everybody moves up. And it all boils down to one thing, trust. And that is the, the, the one thing to, to be an effective leader. Your men and women and everybody have to trust you. And that applies to life, you know, as trust, yeah. whether it's a relationship between a commanding officer and a soldier, whether it's between a husband and a wife, and whether it's between a parent and their child. Trust. Yeah. What are the most important lessons that you learned from combat? Don't take everything for granted. Uh, I've been in places where, you know, months and months and months, no running water, mm-hmm. no plumbing, you know, none of that. And, you you know, and a lot of people, you know, when you go, you'd be like, wow, you know, and I miss running water and, and things like that. And the camaraderie. The men and women I fought with, <clears throat> we have a camaraderie that no one else would probably even understand. Because 
that's where you really have to lean on each other if you want to go back home. And that's just the, the bottom line, you know. And, and what I learned from that is you got you to gotta have that trust and you got to have that love and you always got to put the people first. Excellent. There's a quote of yours that I love. And the quote is, if you don't make an impact on people's lives, you're wasting their time. In recent years, you've started making an impact in a new area by working with youth in multiple capacities at schools and after school programs, teaching life skills, self-esteem, etc. How have you transferred what you learned as a leader in the Army into your work with youth? What did you learn in the military that you feel applies to what you teach kids and how you positively impact them? Oh, I mean, that's, that's the easy one. First off, when you're in the military, and me being an old guy, they're all my kids. So, you know, <laughs> you're getting people that are 17 years old, um, never had a fist fight in their life, and now you're telling them they got to go to combat. Wow. And so just, just taking that, and how I would treat my kids and how I want to be treated always transferred me from, from military to civilian life to also working with the youth. And so, you know, it's, to me, it was, you know, working with the youth is easy transition. The only difference is between a youth and a soldier, soldier can't tell me no. The kid can. That's so, true. So, you know, you got to have, you got to have those abilities again, and it takes trust and it takes trust and respect them and then you want that in return so i would say more of the, the respect and trust aspect from the leadership in the military transferred for uh with the youth and, and it, once you get those two all other doors open i know one of the lessons you've mentioned that you've shared with kids is understanding the concept of look the part talk the part be the part. How would you best explain that concept for parents who want to then pass that knowledge down to their kids? What does look the part, talk the part, be the part look like? Everybody watches everybody. When it even comes to parenting, I'm pretty sure parenting, nobody sat down and said, I'm going to give you a class on how you should act in school. I'm going to give you a class on all that. So everything is leading by example. You know, if you want your kids to listen, you have to listen. Yep. You know, and and a thing, you know, we're always taught in order to be a good leader, you got to be a great follower. So it's not just, okay, you do as I say do, but I've done it, I will do it, whatever I need you to do. And so me, I never expect none, none of my soldiers to do anything that I wouldn't have done or not have already done. And with parenting, it, it's, it's the same concept, you know, because they watch you. If you're screaming and yelling at each other, they watch you. Yep. They, you know, if, if, if you're sitting there giving hugs every day, they watch you, you know what I mean? It shows, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I got compassion, you know, I have a heart. So it's all about... You know, if you're gonna you're gonna be the part, you gotta look the part, and you gotta do the part. And, and parenting is not easy. It's uh, it's a lot of hard work. It's 
you know, you damn near have to be a perfectionist because everybody watching you. But in the military, it's the same way. You know, everybody's watching you. And I'm not saying everybody is perfect. No one's perfect in this world. But if you can get it down to at least 70%, it can make an impact on a child. Another lesson I've heard you mention that's crucial to understand is the fact that we're all going to encounter obstacles. What has your experience taught you about overcoming obstacles, and what do you teach kids about dealing with obstacles? Everything is, I, I, got, a, I got a saying that, that I use, and I, I got it from Denzel Washington. Always fall forward, never fall back. And in, in life, you're going to have obstacles. Just like in the military, we got an obstacle, but we always got to get through it. You know, you can bypass it or you can bust through it. But you never sit there and turn around, you know, and just don't go through it. And so you have to, you know, you have to take a chance. And I try to tell kids, if, if it's something that you feel in your heart that you want to try, that's all in the positive direction, you need to go for it. Because you, what you don't want is uh, you're sitting around at a table and, you know, your life is over and you're sitting there as a ghost and everybody's just there around you of all the thoughts you had. And they're like saying, I wish you would have did this. I wish you would have did that. I wish you would have did this. Why didn't you do this? So you got to push yourself in front of that obstacle. You got to go through it because, again, life is not easy. It's not easy. You know, it's not a cookie cut straight answer on how to have a perfect life, but it is not. But as long as you move forward at all the time, and even when you fall down, fall forward, you, you know, you'll make it. What would you say to a young person who is considering joining the military after high school? What would your input be? That if you go in, first off, I got to say that the military is not cut for everybody. True. Right. So it's not. Uh, but a person going in, I'd always tell them, three, it's, it's a few things. You got to listen to your leaders. You got to trust your leaders. And you got to be a leader. And if you, you, you put that foremost, because you're going to have all kind of obstacles. When I came in, I went through racism. I went through a bunch of stuff. But none of that stopped me. It might have slowed me down, but it didn't stop me because it made me stronger. So the next time I went to the obstacle, I had more dynamite to blow it and keep on pushing through. And so that's all you have to do. If those three things and just, hey, give everything you do 100%. And you'll be fine because, you know, the military is not like Gomer Powell. Everybody lives in some barracks and they got a liberty pass and all that stuff. You know, it's really a, a nine-to-five job until the commander-in-chief calls us to be somewhere in less than 72 hours. Mm -hmm. What's the most important overall message that you try to get across to the kids that you work with? Always, uh, like, tell them, hey, you know, it takes too much energy to do bad stuff. It, it just does. So it's a, it's a waste of time. If you, you go and you sit there and think of all the positivity things that you can make a difference, you know, and 
when you help others, that makes a very good impact on you through life. You know, because it's not always about you. You know, so, you know, acronym, I, I use that as, as retreat, hope. Helping other people excel. If you do that, you excel. If you want to be just, you know, a person that just thinks about self, you're not going to be able to excel. You're not going to go very far. And if not, you're going to be 80 years old and lonely. <laughs> so, you know, got to keep pushing it forward. Hey, follow your dreams and just be safe out there. You're not only a veteran, a mentor, and someone who works with youth. You're also a parent. Based on all that What's the most important message that you'd like to send to the parents and other adults listening regarding the kids in their lives? Lead by example. Lead Lead by by example. example. Chris, is there anything else you'd like to add or anything that I may have overlooked? This has been a great conversation. There's, I'm hearing these themes coming out of here, leading by example, respect, trust, and move forward. If you're going to fall, fall forward. And if there's an obstacle, you need to go over it. You need to go through it. But you can't just sit there. Is there anything else that you'd like to add or anything that I may have overlooked? Uh, no, Shane. I'm, I'm glad I had the opportunity to, to have dialogue with you. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to reach me, uh, they can reach me at Christopher.Johnson166 at Yahoo. And uh, I'll be good to, you know, glad to answer any other questions. And uh, I really appreciate this. We will put that email address down in the show notes for those of you who want to reach out to Chris. If you have questions, if you have comments, we will put that email down in the show notes. Once again, we'd like to thank our guest, Command Sergeant Major Chris Johnson. Chris, thank you so much for sharing your time with us on Win This Year. All right. Thank you. As always on Win This Year, we'd like to give you some resources in case you are facing a mental or behavioral health challenge or you're helping someone who is. You can reach the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by calling 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K. The crisis text line can be reached by texting the word LISTEN to 741741. Community information and referral services are available by dialing 211 or visiting 211.org. And the Not My Kid text line can be reached by texting the word QUESTION to area code 602-580-0665. Once again, text the word QUESTION to area code 602-580-0665. Thanks again to our guest, Command Sergeant Major Chris Johnson. If you've enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy Win This Year, please be sure to subscribe, share, and spread the word. Win This Year can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and nearly every other mainstream podcast platform. If you have questions or concerns, would like to suggest a guest or a topic for a future episode, email us at winthisyear at notmykid.org. As always, all links mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes 
along with all the links for Not My Kids social media. I'm Shane Watson, Public Information Officer and Prevention Specialist for Not My Kid. Thank you again for listening to Win This Year.